This is the Power Producers Podcast, where we are refining and redefining the sales game. Rule number one is you have to believe in yourself. You're the only one who doesn't think you belong in this appointment. The prospect has already validated your existence by scheduling time with you. Get it through your head you belong here. Go in there, crush it, and close the deal. A place where sales professionals can come to learn from other sales professionals and thought leaders that have mastered their craft. The difference between a good salesperson and a best-in-class salesperson is only two minutes. By spending an extra two minutes on what you might think is a mundane task in the sales game, you separate yourselves from the pack, you grow your book of business, you close more deals, and you retain your accounts. As well as their peers who are still striving for perfection to achieve their why. I have a wife and four kids. Failure is not an option. Real sales professionals. Real stories. Real results. It's no different than being a professional baseball player. You can't be a one-trick pony. You have to be a five-tool player in order to succeed in this game. This is the Power Producers Podcast. Production redefined. Are you ready to feel the power? Hey, everybody. It's the Power Producers Podcast, where we are refining and redefining the sales game. How can I are very pleased to have a special guest with us today, Mr. Brett Young from over in the Orlando area, actually kind of a neighbor, if you want to call it yeah. that. Brett, what's up, man? How are you guys? Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Uh, we're sure. doing good, man. It's uh, you're the first your first one of the day today. So, you know, I think we're starting off on the right foot. Love it. One of the things we do with everybody who comes on the show Um because we like to know that the overwhelming majority of the people that are in our industry did not intend to be in our industry when they started. Some did. Interested in hearing your backstory, why don't you tell everybody kind of how you got into insurance and uh, what the path was that led you there? That's a great question, right? Yeah, we, we all end up end up in this spot and go, how did this happen? So I'm, I'm no different. Um, I appreciate that. Yeah, my background... Um, before I got into uh, the insurance business, when I was in college, and I've always been kind of just dabbled with entrepreneurial things and always run different types of businesses. Uh, I would say probably unsuccessfully until I got to college, but that's okay. Neither here is good practice. But um, I met uh, a mentor of mine after uh, I, or right before I graduated. I didn't know what I wanted to do, and my dad gave me some great advice. Um, he just said, "Hey, look, why don't you go find ten really successful people in all different industries and just ask them for thirty minutes to interview them, and find out what their day looks like, find out what their week looks like, find out what they value." why they love what they do, um, and just get an idea of what that looks like. So I think so many times we look at um, what the career is, but we forgot to, we forget to look at what your day looks like. And my dad was always good about saying, you know, what's your perfect day look like? And then once you find out what that is, then you can figure out what type of career you want to be in. So, Well, I can um, tell you my perfect day starts with waking up in Key West. So there you go. There you go. Hey, you know they, they they have insurance down there. You can do that. <laughs> we're, 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 listen, man, we're we're working on it feverishly. Florida Risk Partners Key West office was supposed to open, and then a little little thing called COVID came along. So imagine that. that that's all part oh, of the master plan. I love that. Key West is a good spot. That's great. Hey, you're in a good spot too. I was in St. Pete this weekend, and that's a that's a glorious little uh, barrier island over there. 
St. Pete has developed so much. Like even from when I was in college at USF, like we didn't really hardly ever go to St. Pete just because it was it was far and there wasn't really there was no Uber, like, you know, and we would have to find somewhere to crash if we were going out there. But now it's that's the place to be. That's where all the all the cool spots are, you know, even from downtown all the way out to the beach. So that's pretty much it. That's what everybody tells me when I was down there is just the, the same thing. It never drew that Tampa crowd, but now it's a really cool mm-hmm. spot. We had a good time. So, well, yeah, but to answer your question, David, you know, so I, I, I went and talked to a bunch of people in different industries and uh, I met a gentleman here in, uh, uh, here in Orlando and it was a super successful uh, agency owner and he spent like two hours with me. And uh, it was really awesome to, to just sit down and have a conversation about what that looked like. And, um, you know, what that day looked like for him, why he got into the insurance business, why it was important to him. Um, and it really made a profound uh, impact on my, my life. And, you know, I said, you know, what, this is what I want to do. So uh, I was involved with uh, employee benefits um, prior to that while I was in college and I was building a small business and uh, building a small team and, and, and developed a lot of skill sets that are required to, to build an agency almost subconsciously. And then um, from there, got into the uh, property and casualty space. And, uh, and the, the rest is history. Worked for a firm for a little bit and decided to uh, see if my two partners, Mr. Rod Herb and my brother Taylor Young, wanted to go uh, and do one of the dumbest things we've ever done, which is start an agency from scratch. <laughs> so, um, and we did that. And uh, the chicken and the chicken or the egg conversation happened real quick with just carriers and buried entry. But uh, lo and behold, uh, three and a half years later, we had, had built something. Uh, pretty unique and special. And and now we're about to be at 10 years and it was the best decision of my life. That's awesome, man. So I'm interested, what did, what specifically in that conversation for two hours with an agency owner was the tipping point for you? Man, you know, he, he, he just made it very clear. He, he was a CEO for a pharmaceutical company before he got into the business. Um, so he had a fresh, unique perspective. He, it wasn't uh, like a second, third uh, generation thing where he had just grown up in the business. He had been outside of the space and he had decided that he wanted to get into the insurance space. Um, so he left all that after he had quote unquote, taken an early retirement um, and got into the insurance business and built up uh, this business. So he had a unique perspective on just a broader scope. And he talked about the fact that in most businesses, you're going to work, you're going to work obviously extremely hard. It doesn't matter what you do. um, But over time, you're not going to build up that um, equity in having uh, the, the control of your time in a sense um, that every day is about going out and eating what you kill. And he just said, if you build it the right way and you do it the right way and you build quality relationships and you build a book of business, uh, you'll build something that lasts and you'll have control uh, at, at a later stage in, in your life. Um, and for me, that was always a, a big ticker. Uh, I had always been entrepreneurial in my background because I, I valued uh, time freedom and I valued choice. Um, I, I, I am no strange stranger to working. I love working. I'll put in a lot more hours than I should, but it's on my cho- it's my choice, and it's always been something that I that I hold I hold very dear. So when he said that to me, and I understood that obviously he had he walks his talk. Um, at that point in my life, I decided that I was going to build something that gave me more options later on in life rather than the inverse. Well, you know, and I think the thing is, this is true about the insurance industry more so than probably any other industry. But I think so many times producers get clouded, agency owners get clouded um, 
it's not just about the check, man. I mean, there's a big difference between being income statement rich and building your income statement and being balance sheet rich and building an asset. Hmm. And that's really what I enjoy most about the agency world is, yeah, you know what? I can make good money. I can go out and produce middle market accounts and just absolutely crush it and have a nice looking W-2 at the end of the year. But more importantly, I'm building an asset. You know, all of my producers are building an asset for me and for them. All of my team is working to grow the value of an asset. And I think that um, sometimes we lose focus of that, right? We lose focus of the fact that we're actually building something that's way more valuable than any check we're going to get, you know, over the course of the year. And you really have an opportunity to build significant net worth for the long term. David, that's such a good point. So, uh, you know, we always joke about it in in tongue in cheek, but it's not, it's, it's, it's not really a joke. You know, everybody says they want to be in the insurance business. They, 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 you know, later on after they've had a 10, 15 year career, they say, oh, I wish I would have done that. And I always, you know, kind of chuckle and I say, well, you didn't because you didn't, you didn't want to put in the work. Um, it takes a while to build that up. And the reality is it was always early on about, it had nothing to do with the paycheck. It was, it had nothing to do with an income. It had the fact that at some point, um, you know, you want to you want to look back and say that you've got something of value, something uh, an asset class that you're building. And I don't know a lot of places that, uh, as a producer, I can go and put in, uh, you know, the salesmanship aspect of what we do and build that. Uh, and then, then to, to take that even extended even further, which is near and dear to my heart, be able to give other people that opportunity is, is extremely fulfilling. Um, I, I'm I'm a guy that you know grew up and had all these different jobs and was always uh, the lazy guy. I just was, was, was viewed as the person that just didn't like to work. And, uh, I found out we're not la- on- hey, people can't see us cause we don't broadcast in video. We're not laughing at you. We're laughing with you because you know, it has gone back and forth between Kyle and I multiple times that there's probably not a job. The two of us have not done. If you combine <laughs> Yeah, I love but that. both. I, listen, I just learned yesterday that this guy sold Cutco knives at one. Hell yeah! No, no, no clue that ever happened. That's solid awful. knives, by the way. Solid there knives. You go. Horrible job. Solid knives. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's you know, it's. I mean, I literally still remember this day. I just thought there was something wrong with me, and then I realized that there was nothing wrong with me. I just knew that I wasn't building any equity. I felt like I was on a on a on a treadmill, and I wasn't going anywhere. And then as soon as someone gave me the opportunity to build something for myself, of something of quote unquote asset value, I love how you say that. Grow your balance sheet. All of a sudden, the light bulb came on for me, and and I was rejuvenated. I, I realized that it wasn't that I didn't like to work; it was the fact that I didn't like to to spin my wheels. And subconsciously, I felt like that's what I was doing. So now my entire day, my entire week, our, our, you know, our, our whole livelihood in our agency is to give people that opportunity uh, that was once given, given to us and given to me. And there's nothing more important. And there's nothing that fills me up more uh, to watch the light bulb come on for people you know, in, in that same situation. So I'm, I'm interested in these conversations that you had with the 10 successful people or however many people it was before you were kind of figuring out what you wanted to do. If there was common ground in the routine that, that you, um, that you found and, and what your routine looks like today. That's a great question. Um, you know, I, I think back if I would have 
been more uh, seasoned, I would have asked maybe some better questions, Kyle. Um, mm. But and, and one of those would have been what's your morning look like? Um, you know, so I started with day and uh, I, I saw a common theme. And one of those themes was uh, they were obsessive. Uh, about being the best at what they were going to do. Uh, I wasn't, I wasn't interviewing, I was interviewing, you know, executive level type positions in different industries. So there was a common theme in regards to everybody wanted to, 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 to be the best, but there was uh, a significant difference in what those days looked like for people. Um, weekends, uh, a lot of holidays. I interviewed a lot of people in the hospitality space and the banquet space, um, high-end hotels. Um, so there was a significant difference in regards to um, the kind of the, the, the layout of, uh, of where they spent their time. But in a sense of uh, some common philosophies and core values, there definitely was some common themes, um, one of which was leadership. All of them uh, enjoyed the position, um, an aspect of building relationships with team members and people. Um, they all thrived on uh, being able to pour back into, and that's why they took the meeting with me, right? I was this you know, young college kid that asked mm-hmm. for 30 minutes of their time. And here, lo and behold, most of them went way past the 30 minutes. There was some right. sort of there was some sort of intangible factor that they that they wanted to contribute back to somebody that maybe they, either they saw something in themselves or somebody that was looking for more. I'll tell you what, man, you know, for me, and I don't want to cut you off. I know you stopped to take a breath and, and Kyle wants to hear what your day looks like now. How has your how has your day molded? So so file that. But, you know, there's a there's a. I don't know. I, I believe certain things um, maybe that are not necessarily mainstream and thought process. I don't think being an entrepreneur is a skill. I don't think that you can go practice being an entrepreneur other than going and doing it right. Like that's the, that's the irony of the whole thing. The only way you can practice being an entrepreneur is to be an entrepreneur. You mindset. can't go to, you know, they're, they're trying to give you college level courses and things on entrepreneurship and all of that. But I, I think it's a gift. I really do. The other thing I think is or that it depends on how you look at it. <laughs> well, yeah, you're, you're right. It could be both. It, and I'm highly, highly entrepreneurial. And as somebody who's highly entrepreneurial, it, it, I, I don't want to get that confused with leadership because just because you're a good entrepreneur and independent and willing to go out and do what you need to do to create revenue streams or asset bases or whatever else – that doesn't mean you're effect- an effective leader. That means you're a good entrepreneur. That's you can sure. work on leadership. You can work on honing those skills in. But I do think that there is a clearly defined line between being an entrepreneur and being a business owner. And there's a lot of agency owners out there that are just that. They're an agency owner, mm-hmm. but they're not an entrepreneur. And you are mixing oil in 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 uh, water when you're trying to combine those two. And I'm speaking from experience. You know, I was a partner in another agency for eight years before I launched Florida Risk. It was probably, number one, I wouldn't be where I am today if I didn't have those eight years. But it was excruciating Hmm. because I'm not the type of person that wants to have to go ask 10 people permission to execute on an idea. Good, bad, or otherwise, I want to pull the trigger. If it's great, Build on it, run with it. If it's not, cut bait quick, course correct, and get on the right place. And I wasn't in an environment where that was ever going to happen. And so I'm not going to tell you 
that everything in our agency runs like clockwork. There are plenty of things we still need to get buttoned down and have work right. And I think that people, when they hear, you know, hear us on a podcast or they'll see a video or whatever else, that they're going to think, wow, this dude's really got his act together. You know, he must run a tight ship, blah, blah, blah. No, I face the same struggles everybody else does. That's why you don't see me doing videos on agency operations. I do videos on sales and marketing. <laughs> that's what I'm, you know, that's what I'm good at, right? And so, but I think in order to be successful, it's it's an ever changing process. It's not something that you just figure out and it's like okay, like it, it it's got to change, especially with the way the you know things are trending right now. Like you've got to you've got to be able to call audibles and 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 you know stay ahead of the curve. David, yeah, no, I I, I agree wholeheartedly. David, I I think that is the absolute epitome of what entrepreneurship is the 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 courage to start something that you don't necessarily know how it will end the courage to start something knowing that it probably isn't exactly where it will end up or where it should be but the ability to be able to run and then figure it out um i I think uh, uh, entrepreneurial that that entrepreneurial tick is somebody who enjoys risk um and it they thrive off of it that uncertainty is something that they crave um, and I agree with you. That's something that can't be taught. You can teach the skill sets that are required in their leadership, salesmanship, um, communication, um, accounting. You know, all these things are, are different aspects that are skills that are required to be successful in that space. But that there's that it factor, that that thing that you thrive off um, is just something that is hard to teach. You know, we'll, we'll talk to to people that want to get in the business and, um, and I'll just be candid. Anybody that's listened to this podcast, that's either a producer or that's looking to be a producer. I mean, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk to, you know, people that have been burned at multiple jobs and they've make decent incomes and they can, they say, I just, I've been wanting to do this and I say, well, are you willing to, to, to do what's necessary to, to, to build something? And there's a certain level of entrepreneurship that says, you know, I'm willing to, build something in spite of income immediately in order to have that like to have that 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 end of the rainbow prize you know i just can't tell you how many times we have i've have conversations somebody this weekend and they they just want all these things but they're unwilling to do what's necessary in the beginning to be able to have that so everybody wants this thing, but they're unwilling to do what's necessary. And the people that are willing to do what's necessary, those people have that itch. They have that tick that, that says uh, they've got that, that, that kind of that chip on their shoulder to be able to do what's necessary, what's required. And I agree with you. That's tough. And sometimes it's frustrating because you know, it's worth it for them. Um, but they just, that's just not an eight to them. It's not an eight. So um, it's a great point. I can tell you that Kyle is the primary example of that. So I brought Kyle on board at a time a few years ago when I wasn't necessarily ready to bring producers in, but he was somebody that I had identified early on that I wanted on my team. I think I had known this probably for at least a year and due to some circumstances, he was on the market and I talked to him and I was upfront with him. I'm like, look, man, I'm not ready to hire you. This is what I can afford. What I promise you is that you will build a significant net worth that you'll never have to worry about what your retirement looks like or anything else, but I need you to be willing to take the risk on me and to be patient with me. And I can assure you that I will be in the trenches with you 100% of the time. And ultimately you are going to be in the best place that you could possibly be. He got that, right? He got that people who I talk to that are more worried about what their paycheck is going to be now. Yes. Yeah. This was never a short term play for me. 
it's it's just one of those deals where that's the number one disqualifier for yep. me. That's so funny you mentioned that. It's like you want all the benefit, but you don't want to pay the price. Mm. And to me, that is just the epitome of entrepreneurship. Like that, the, are are you willing to? Everything costs something. Everything. So, and to think that you're going to find an intelligent way or a way around that or a smarter way to do it just means that you're not willing to do the work. And, and I respect people who ultimately come out and say that, well, I'm just not willing to do the work. I just, for whatever reason, I respect that. Where I have a challenge is when uh, you, you want something, but you're unwilling to do what's necessary to get it. Um, and that is that bridge – that, that gap that exists that takes education that takes communication and hopefully over experiences you know some pe- I've, I've worked with some people who you know didn't understand it and then later on through two three jobs and they end up in the same spot and they go man you know what if I just would have done that I'd have been in this position and all of a sudden they get it but it's a tough it's a tough deal and, and sometimes I think that is innate well my standard comment you know when I'm talking to somebody about whether or not they would be a good fit, especially from a production standpoint, because my number one rule is I will not hire a producer from the insurance industry. I don't have any interest in bringing in retreads or people with bad habits, or even if they have a book, I'm not going to pay to bring a book in. I'd rather build it organically. I look for people that are successful in business to business sales office supplies, office equipment, credit card processing, payroll processing, IT services, you know, pretty much the roster of any BNI group out there, you know, that that has people that are outside salespeople that are there. And when I have the conversation with them, I want to know two things pretty quickly. Tell me what you need and tell me what you want, because I can show you a very quick way to get what you need and I can help you get what you need. But you're going to have to go earn and work for what you want. I'm not going to hand that to you. I'll give you the platform for it. I will give you every ounce of resources that you need, but I will not hand you what you want. That's up to you to do that. And so it tells me a couple things. Number one, it's going to tell me whether or not there's a misalignment in values because I'm not asking somebody to come in and say, well, I really only need $20,000 a year you know, to come work with you. I also don't want them coming in and say, well, it's going to cost you a hundred grand, you know, to have me for you to take a chance on me. Right. You know? And so I want to see, you know, if you say I need 45, $50,000 a year, but I really want to be making 80 or 90, you know, within the first two or three years, that's realistic to me. That's somebody who understands, okay, I'm going to take a little bit of a haircut to build something for the long term That's going to be far more valuable. And I respect those people more. If you come in and say, eh, you know, I'm I'm Johnny uh I'm Johnny salesman and I've been making six figures forever. So you're gonna have to give me a buck thirty-five a year to come in just to start. I wish you all the luck in the world, man. Keep hawking credit card processing and have no residual income because yeah. you're not you're not understanding how this model works. It's it's a good indicator of personality traits that are gonna lead them to be successful too. If if you know the conversation I always have with perspective producers and perspective people who want to be in that industry or in that in that in that position is you know 
you're not going to be able to bring the same amount of value, even if you're the stud at what you're doing right now. There's a reason you and I are having this conversation. And most more than likely, it's because you do you want you see the value in residual income. You understand that assets are more important than income. The income should be led by assets, not inversely. And if you understand that we're having a conversation, then you realize that even though you were the 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 the, the, the VP over here at your job, you're not going to have the same amount of value immediately over here. So, and, and, and just the entrepreneurialness of that conversation is I get paid for the value that I bring. Inherently moving that over is usually not a lateral move, right? You, you, you can't, you, it's very difficult to immediately be able to bring that amount of value in a new space. It doesn't matter if it's insurance, doesn't matter if it's anything. So if, if somebody can understand that, then they recognize that you know, what I get paid is based on the value that I bring. If they don't understand that, then there's a, there's a philosophy. There's a key philosophy that's missing inherently right out of the gate. And that's a big red flag for me. But if somebody understands that, but then the conversation is, well, yes, but I just need to be able to cover what I need to cover so I can live. That's a totally different conversation. That's like all of us, but that's a big aha for me when I'm sitting down with somebody because ultimately no one's going to give anybody anything. That's not what we're about. It's, it's about helping you create something for yourself. Um, you know, so it, it, there's a huge shift there, and, and I agree with you, David. That's a big deal, and I, I love your philosophy on 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 you know training from the start to for, is because so many different times we do it all different in in this business, and you compete against those people every day, and you walk in and you you hear conversations of the last person that was sitting down in that seat, and you just shake your head and go, man, you know what? That that's this is why I love to compete with those people because they just have such different core values than what you do. And God forbid that comes into your organization without you knowing it. And you have a whole nother worm can of worms on your hand. Well, we're not looking for insurance salesmen, right? I mean, I'm not interested in somebody that's going out to hawk a product. I want people who know how to solve problems. And when you're going into the types of accounts that we go into, selling insurance is secondary. Selling insurance is the funding mechanism to fund the value proposition that our firm really provides. And you, it's very difficult. It's much more difficult to take somebody who grew up in commercial insurance, brainwash them and get them to understand the value proposition and total cost of risk and indirect cost of claims and all of the other things that we talk about than it is somebody that's a completely blank canvas. The other thing I would tell you is it's extremely difficult to take somebody who might be an insurance technician and be able to talk circles around me in terms of coverages and teach them how to sell. So if I can find somebody that can cold call, that can open the door, that's really all I need them to do. Over time, we're going to give them the support they need at the point of sale so they can hear the value proposition laid out, so they can see how to get the deals closed and ultimately get paid. You know, I had a guy in a prior life that, at the agency I was at right before Florida Risk, and he was hired. I was not uh, privy to any interview or ability to offer feedback as far as the decision goes. And the first time I met him was the welcome aboard lunch that we had. I'll never forget it. We were sitting at, at, at Cheesecake Factory out by the Brandon Mall, and I'm meeting him for the first time. And the whole the whole agency is essentially there celebrating this and. The, the conversation kept going back to, but what about markets? But what markets do you have? But what markets can I do this? I finally stopped him after about the fourth or fifth time. I'm like, look, man, I really wish you and I would have talked before now 
but my message is not going to be any different. If you're focused on selling insurance and placing insurance instead of selling a value proposition, you've made an incredible mistake coming on board because you're going to fail miserably going forward. You're tying your compensation to the sale of a product and you're just never going to be as successful as people who understand how to go in and differentiate themselves by talking about value. That's so solid. And I think that's, you know, I think that's one of the biggest issues that that veterans of the industry have. I think there's, there's a couple, and listen, obviously our audience is insurance agents. So I'm not going to sit here and crap all over insurance agents all over the country, but at the same time, I think that there are some inherent flaws that I see that are consistent. One of them is selfishness and greed. Okay. It's an agency owner. You can't be a selfish person and maximize your agency. It's impossible for you to do that. You have to be willing to give more than you take in most cases. And what I mean by that is, you know, and people are going to understand, obviously, David has hot buttons and he talks about them usually for a week and then he goes on to something else. So we actually talked about this on a podcast we recorded yesterday with um, Aurora Millette from California. But, you know, I what what grates me more than anything else is when I'm in the Internet groups where it's nothing but agency owners talking back and forth and the question comes up. What do you do about book ownership? What do you do about equity in the firm? And inevitably, 50% of the people think you should give your producers, your team, whoever, a path to ownership in the enterprise, you know, that show them a path to where they can earn equity in the agency. Is it that high? Is it 50% or do you think it's less? Well, and then, then the other half is I'm not giving anybody anything. I'm the one yeah. who's taking all the risk. I built this on my back. Right. And I'm thinking, did you though? Did you, did you build it on your back? Because what risk did you take? Yeah, you built the chassis. You took some financial risk. But I look at it as so did everybody that jumped on my team when I was a startup. You know, these people took a risk. They could have gone and worked anywhere else. Many of them could have made more money. You know, what do they get in reward? It's not just a paycheck. And I think if you want people to think like business owners, you better set a good example of what you think a business owner should look like. I'm not foolish enough and short-sighted enough to think that if I grow my agency to 10 million in revenue and I have an exit, that I did that by myself. I didn't. I had to have even if I was the only producer, I still had to have CSRs and account managers and all of those things to, to help take care of the business when we get it. And, you know, to me, I think that to some degree, you have agency owners out there that are some of the most giving people in the world, sometimes to a fault. But we've talked about this before. Very rarely are you going to find an industry that is more able to do things for the community and charity, fundraising, not-for-profits, whatever they need to do. But it's a little bit disheartening for me to think that there are agency owners out there that have teams of 10, 12, 20 people, whatever it is, and they think that they're doing it on their own. What they're telling me is, I need to go kick their butt. 
I, I need to go find their accounts on the streets, take a few from them, and then let them know that this is what happens when you think you're the only one. You know, yeah, it drives me nuts. Man, I, those are those are all really good thoughts. I, I, I have a couple things, and I wrote a couple things down because I just love that. Um, number one. I think it's transferable to any business. You know, yes, it's in the insurance business, but I don't view uh, our industry very different than than a lot of industries. And the reality is, right, you you give more than you receive. That's just an inherent philosophy that we should be living by in business in general. And I'd almost say it's just a golden rule in life, right? I tell my, I remember, I, I'll share this podcast with my wife. She'll she'll see if she'll agree with me in my household. <laughs> but if we give more than we receive inherently, then that's a good practice that's going to benefit us in the long term. And then you talked about, uh, you know, being able to open up doors uh, versus being able to, to sell that value proposition and talk technician. You know, I, we have these conversations in our office about the art versus the science of what we do. I would much rather recruit for the art of that. And I could teach the science. We could provide the resources for the science. And it's this always this this bending flow of making sure that you have a team where you have people that are very good at the science aspect and you have people that are very good at the art aspect. And maybe not trying to to, to change people for who they are, but but build an organization that inherently they support each other. But I agree with you, especially on the producer game. I'm always looking for the art we can get to the science part over time and it's ever evolving anyway. It's, it's never one of those things where you're going to run through a one-on-one course and be done. Right. That's a, that's a, that's a continuing education. But then number three, as far as the, the ownership is concerned, I mean, really what you're talking about is if you've got 10, if you've got 10 people on your team and inherently they're going to touch that client on multiple aspects in their cycle of life with you. And, you know, we talked about it. I'm sure you've read the book, Extreme Ownership by, by Jocko Willing. The, the ability to create a platform and a system where every single person that touches that customer's file, that has a conversation with their team, that talks to their CFO, um, it goes out with you an appointment to where they treat that account as if it's theirs is really what you're after because it, it drives an incredible experience for that person. We've all had experiences where we get on the phone with somebody and we have this great relationship, but then we talk to somebody on their team and we get the sense that we're annoying them. We get the sense that they're upset that we called, that they have better things to do. And inherently, I always come back to say, what's the incentive for that person and what's the likelihood that they have some sort of stake in managing or keeping that relationship? Um, and, that, and that's a dynamic conversation. You know, I, I, I believe that uh, there are two functions of uh, – entrepreneurship, if you will, of equity in a book of business that are inherently something that I would pay for, that I would, I create structure for, which is a, do you have the ability to go out and get a customer? Do you have the ability to go out into the marketplace and create value? If are, are, are you creating more than what is currently here? Um, and if you can do that, and if you can create a skill set that allows you to go out and create more, then inherently there should be there should be some sort of bonus and upside to that. Number two is leadership. Do you have the ability to influence? Do you have the ability to compel others, whether internally or externally, to take actions to moving the mission forward? Inherently, those two skill sets are something that I am willing to 
pay long-term uh, inherent equitable value on. Because those two things, in my opinion, are the pillars to building any business. Um, yes, and then of course there's conversations centered around all the different aspects involved with running an agency or running a business. But you know, we're very open about those conversations of trying to develop those skill sets. So whether you come in and you have no experience in that, um, or you come from outside with a lot of experience in that, for us, being able to communicate that of where that's where we believe are core the core values of where you can propel your personal progress. I think that's important to just set the expectation of what that looks like. So, and I don't disagree with you. I mean, if you have a, a a team of people that are not taking ownership over a client, are not taking ownership over that relationship, that experience, inherently you're going to have one great experience with one person and a really tough experience with the next person. It's going to be inconsistent. I totally agree. What, so what's your agency focused on? Are you guys commercial, personal? What's that breakdown look like? Yeah, great question. So we're about 70% personal lines, 30% commercial. Um, we started as a personal lines agency. Um, you know, we started literally uh, in, we called it the upstairs bedroom of my uh, business partner's house with, the, with three laptops and uh, five grand a piece and two markets. And uh, we literally would run out and ask people for business, we'd come back in and we'd write it. We'd run out, grab, you know, grab a couple deck pages and come back and write it. And from there, you know, we obviously, we, we got into some different markets in regards to just referral marketing and started to build a really good network of different real estate professionals, mortgage professionals, and built a really great personal lines base. And it's been a, a awesome, um, part of our agency cause it's extremely consistent and it's been a, it's been a great, uh, foundation. And about five and a half years ago, we got into the commercial space and we, you know, that's why I resonate with David's comments about, uh, you know, just being able to run after something, even though you don't know the answers and be able to make pivot points, you know, commercial, we started writing little bops and it was just one market who that, that market happened to do bops when they're a homeowner's insurance carrier. Right. And inherently there became more opportunity from that, more opportunity from that. And, um, you know, we've, we've grown it to a, a considerable a nice size book of business where uh, we have an, uh, an entire, you know, obviously a commercial outfit that, that handles uh, anywhere from, you know, million plus dollar accounts all the way down to those BOP clients that are homeowners and auto insurance clients too. So it's been a fun ride. It's been a unique experience to go from, you know, the personal line side of what we do, which is extremely volume driven um, and process driven to uh, trying to take that and uh, apply a lot of those principles to our commercial side, but then also, you know, getting into the bigger commercial space where that's a completely different skill set and it requires a little bit different process and, 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 and philosophies, if you will, on how you manage that customer. So it's been fun. It's been a unique experience for us and we're, we're bad getting better. Um, but, uh, it's been a, it's been a fun ride. Any specific niches or things you're drilling down into in the, uh, in the commercial space? Yeah, so my business partner, um, Mr. Rod Erb, uh, runs our commercial side of our business, and uh, he has a lot of uh, experience in the medical space. Um, before he came to the insurance uh, industry, uh, he did anything from home health care to behavioral health to oxygen sales um, to you know, primary care, uh, physician care for uh, different hospitals. So whether it's an assisted living facility, a behavioral hospital, a home health care company, I mean, that's a, a space that we really like a lot. And that's that's shown uh, some good fruit for us. I think if you're a producer and you're looking at what uh, space you want to niche, I think can this is the test 
the, the conversation I always have. Can you have a conversation with the owner or the manager of that business or the GM of that business and have a conversation with terms of their industry and be able to, to have a, a fluid conversation? And if you understand their business, just like you said, David, then you can understand the risk conversation. If you don't understand the business and you just understand your products and you just understand what the forms do, then the reality is you're not really going to be able to meet them on the level that's going to give them the type of intrinsic value that you should be providing as a, you know, as a problem solver. So um, for us, you know, my, my space was hospitality before I got into uh, the insurance business. So having conversations with, with the, those professionals and those operators is very easy for me because I lived in that space for 10 years. Um, so the hospitality space has been good to us um, in the past, and the medical space has been really good to us in the past. And then the third one, inherently, just because we did so much property with mortgage brokers and real estate, you know, commercial property has been a big one that I've mentioned for a very long time. So some large schedules and stuff like that that, that have been very great to us. It's going to be office, a lot of retail, um, and you know, we've done some a lot of some habitational stuff too. So those three areas have been good. But I mean, you know, it, when you're when a lot of our business is driven from our personal lines customers, a lot of those small um, accounts that we do are all over the place. And um, really our main customer is, is the small business owner that wants one relationship and wants somebody to manage their whole account. And we do that really well. So one of the things that I'm pretty sure is important to you that you invest in heavily is the culture that you have inside your organization. Why don't you talk a little bit about what your goals are for culture and the things you're doing proactively to build it to where you want it to be? Oh man. Now you're going to talk about something I love. I love it, man. That's awesome. Um, you know, so a, a very, one of the core philosophies we have here is that people talk about work-life balance all the time. And um, I fundamentally disagree with that. I think work-life integration um, is the the holy grail of finding something that you love to do and finding something that can give people true fulfillment. So we're uh, obsessive about creating uh, a place where people do life together. They don't just work together. Um, so, you know, a lot of the structure that we have built uh, and on my background before I got into and before we opened the agency was just team building and, and creating an environment that gives people an opportunity to grow personally. Um, so, you know, I, if, if you follow me on social, I'm, I'm a huge advocate for personal development. Um, it fundamentally changed my life when somebody gave me the opportunity to kind of understand that I can grow myself through study. Um, and that's really the baseline to everything that we do within this organization. So whether you come in with no experience or you come in with a lot of experience, um, being rooted in personal development is the key component to what connects everybody in the organization. Um, so we do two events a year, one of which is our annual summit, um, where we get away for two days and we, we, we focus on becoming better people, not just better insurance agents. It's corely driven towards philosophy and principles that are business related and progress related, not necessarily insurance related. Um, and then we do a, a quarterly culture event where we get everybody together just to cohesively. We have an office in Melbourne and we have an office in Orlando to kind of tie those together. And then we have a weekly call every week that we do after hours where we read uh, we read a book together and we discuss that book and that chapter and how it relates to people and what they're dealing with in their life and how it relates to their business and different examples. And it's just a culture driven towards personal progress. Um, 
I believe progress equals happiness. All of us want to see momentum in our life. We want to see uh, that, you know, today looks better than t- uh, yesterday and tomorrow looks better than today. It's it's a hopefulness. And so, you know, we're, we're continually trying to create a place where people feel and they know uh, that the sky's the limit for them uh, as long as they can continue to, to, to find ways to bring more value. Um, so culture is everything to us, man. That's what I love. And ultimately, that's what builds these, you know, these rooted, deep relationships. And ultimately, that's kind of where I get my juice from. It's funny, man, because you said an iteration of something that I, I say all the time. Um, my, my goal every day is to be better than I was yesterday, but not as good as I'll be tomorrow. Oh, I love that. Love that. You know, and I, and I think that, you know, as long as we think in those terms that, uh, you're right, man, you find fulfillment in what you're doing. Number one, it has to start with admitting the fact you're not a finished project, Mm -hmm. right? Like I'm never going to quit learning. I don't care. It's so funny, you know, because I'm a weird dude, man. Like I've got some idiosyncrasies. I'm a, I'm not afraid to, to to say that. But I'm also kind of one of these guys where if you have a conversation with me, there's a pretty good chance that we're going to find common ground really quick, and it may not be where you expect it. Hmm. So I'm going to give you an example. I was out to dinner with um, with one of my clients a few weeks ago, and we were having conversation and talking about, you know, retiring and all of this other stuff. And it's a well-known fact that we want to retire in the keys. So does this couple. And I told them, I'm like, look, man, I probably need to go ahead and start growing out my ponytail because I'm going to have a, I'm going to have a ponytail, a half button Tommy Bahama shirt sitting on a stool at Willie T's on Duval street, playing the guitar and singing songs for people. That's what I'm going to do. And so my client looks at me and he says, do you even know how to play the guitar? And I said, no, I've never touched one my entire life. And he said, well, how are you going to be able to, I said, you know what, hold on. And I went on an Amazon at the dinner table, bought a guitar and some video lessons. And so now I'm learning how to play the guitar. Listen, it goes to, (laughs) but it goes to being entrepreneurial, right? For me, I would rather try something new and fail because at least I have a good story about my failure in trying something new than to stay in a safe place every, every day. So I know I'm going to learn to play the guitar. What he, what he doesn't know is I had piano lessons for 15 years. I play three different brass instruments. So the music side of it's not going to be difficult for me to figure out. I just never had taken the time to do it, but I'm one of those guys that if I say, you know what, I think I want to learn how to play the guitar. I'm going to go learn how to play the guitar. Yep. And the next thing might be, you know what? I want to learn how to. You play the take- jazz flute, don't you? <laughs> oh, dude, my jazz flute is outstanding. I so. bet it is. He's not prepared. He's not prepared. <laughs> <laughs> meanwhile, meanwhile, it comes out of the uh, jacket sleeve. That, yeah, that's awesome. Could you imagine if you applied these principles to your atrocious golf game? <laughs> it would be, yeah, it would be insane. But then I wouldn't have as many good stories. It's true. That's true. Speaking of which, I'm going to give this guy a shout out because he's my friend, but also because this is just crazy, right? So my buddy, Josh Lipstone, who owns an agency up in Cary, North Carolina area, posts on Facebook about a month ago that he's gone his entire life. And and listen, Josh, your entire life, what are you, like 27 or something like that? He, he's a relatively young guy, but it was humorous to hear him say he's gone his entire life and it never hit a hole in one posts that he hits a hole in one okay and he's pumped about it dude last week he hit a second one like within a month this guy has hit two holes in one 
and I'm just like blown away. And by the way, Lipstone, if you are listening, which you should be, and I expect you to be, it's not lost on me that you were passively aggressively bragging that you hit your seven iron 180 yards to do it. There you go. I love that. You know, if I have two hole in ones, I think I'll break my rule, which is I'll finally buy a lottery ticket. I have this thing. I just never <laughs> bought a lottery ticket. I, I keep saying that the day that I do, I'm going to win, but there's just something inherently I just won't do it. <laughs> this is what I can guarantee if I ever can win. Hit, if you don't play, man, if I ever hit one hole in one, I'm retiring from golf for good. And no. I'll focus on my guitar game. There you go. I, 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 there's nothing else you can do, man. Maybe if I hit a hole in one and I shoot one subpar round, Dude, That's like it. any old lady who's hitting driver from 96 yards can get lucky and hit a hole in one. Like that's not the, I mean, it's rare obviously, but that's not, that doesn't mean you've conquered golf. Like, come on. Yeah. It's you gotta ridiculous. hit two at least to conquer golf. I mean, <laughs> maybe, maybe you should just focus for the time being on like stringing together more than one par in a row. I'm, I'm listen, that would require me to take focus off of what I do for a living. And right now, golf is not going to get that attention. There I've got go. too much other stuff going on. Opportunity listen, Brent, cost. Yeah, listen, the, the other thing I wanted to talk to you about is um, talk a little bit about your Be Extraordinary podcast and what that's all about. Oh, I appreciate that. Yeah, you know, it, these podcasts are so fun. You know, like I, I know about you guys, but just consuming good content is such a great practice. And, you know, with this, you know, con- podcast boom that's allowed us to kind of any type of subject that you're looking for, you can kind of tap in and and get these bite sized information. Uh, so it's just been, you know, inherently, if you are in the development game at all, you're probably listening to a bunch of different podcasts. Um, so for us, um, you know, it's no secret, you know, obviously the, the, the personal development aspect of what we do is, 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 uh, overwhelmingly more important than the insurance aspect of what we do. We just believe in, uh, that that drives everything else. So, and, and Taylor and Rod and myself over time, when we, when we first started the business, it was easy. We were working together every single day. We were in the same office. We, you know, we collaborated daily, weekly, probably talked to them way more than our, than our own family. And over time through multiple offices and expanding the business and, um, through the personal and the commercial lines and different opportunities, you know, we, we've inherently been in different places. So you you don't talk as much and yeah, you have the group texts and, and I believe that our partnership is, is, is the, the core, uh, uh, rock of of what's allowed us to do what, what we've done. So keeping that strong has been super super important. It's been intentional. So we just got around and said, man, you know what? Let's let's start a podcast just because it'll give us a reason to get together. It'll give us a reason just to have the cool conversations that we um, that we value so much. And you know, if if other people find value in them, then great. You know, so uh, it really started with us being able to kind of set in stone sometimes for us to discuss some subjects that are near and dear to our heart, or even some subjects that ultimately we just want to learn more about. Um, and it's been a really cool outlet for us to do that. Um, we spent a ton of time together, uh, being able to do that. They've been rich conversations and, you know, lo and behold, other people have gotten some value out of them too. Thank goodness. Um, but it's, it's, it's been cool. So, you know, I think a lot of times we start these podcasts is to be able to um, to give value to other people. And I think that's the right way to do it. I ha- I can't, I can't brag on that because, uh, really this podcast was created for us to just be able to get together and have cool conversations. And we just decided to go ahead and record them. So, um, but we talk about business, we talk about leadership. Uh, obviously we talk about personal development. Um, sometimes they're insurance driven, but more, more, often than not, they're transferable skills um, in that entrepreneurial type realm that, that we think are, are 
uh, important for us as leaders to develop to, to, to create any great organization or any great business. We talk a lot about culture, a lot about people. Um, and ultimately, we ask a lot of questions because like you said, David, I mean, we, we don't have it figured out. You know, I don't think I'll ever have it figured out. Um, right, right. Right. When you hit one level, you're looking to go to the next level. It's mm-hmm. it's never it's never good enough. And you know what? I'm OK with that. Um, I'm OK with not being content because I, I just believe that progress is is inherently in my DNA and I don't ever want to stop that. So it's been a cool outlet and, and I, I appreciate the shout out, but it's, it's called the Be Extraordinary Podcast. So here's my question. What's the what's the best story coming out of your podcast? I'll sh- I'll share one from ours, but I'm interested in like people reaching out saying, hey, I listened to your podcast and this happened for me what's the what's the coolest thing that you can you can share man you know what that's that's cool um you know i literally got a text this morning you know it's the randomness it's the randomness of you know there's there's a saying that you know my partner will always use it's like people are watching whether you know it or whether you know it or, or or understand it whether it's your kids whether it's your teammates whether it's other peers you know people are watching so be careful um it's a it's a it's a it's a big responsibility. Um, and I just got a text this morning about one of the podcasts that we did, um, you know, about creating uh, a platform for personal growth. And it's a, a guy that I grew up with, um, all through my life. I have not spoken with him as much as I do, as I used to. And I didn't even know that he was really listening to the podcast. He sent me a text this morning and said, Hey, I just listened to this episode about creating a platform for growth. It's super apparent within my organization. And I realized that, you know, if I'm going to have change, I need to be part of that change and create something. So that those types of random, you know, acknowledgements of people that, um, you know, you're making an impact are just super cool. Um, the, the other one that happened uh, a week ago was we, we did one on growth or control. Um, and can you have both? And, uh, you know, and it was about the fact of in in business, we when we start, everything is about us, and we have complete control over everything. And as your organization grows, inherently you go through this battle of not giving up control because you're used to being able to do everything, and then you can stunt your own growth. And being able to be okay with letting go of that and that cycle, and just in from our personal experience, and I have a, a gentleman who has a uh, massive mortgage uh, shop that he's probably one of the biggest ones in the country. And I respect him tremendously um, as somebody that I model. Uh, he sent me a text and said, Hey man, I listened to this and I learned a ton and I just appreciate you guys having that dialogue. So it's just little things like that, that make you feel special, that make you feel like you're giving back, that make you feel like you're making an, a small little impact. And to me, that's enough to do the next one. Nice. So I am a, um, I'm a numbers dude. I'm into the analytics I've got friends like Scott Howell and Bradley Flowers from the Insurance Guys podcast that'll tell you they never look at their downloads. I look at my downloads. <laughs> I want to I want to see if we're making forward progress. I want to see if we're building the audience. It's not as much for a beating your chest and bragging rights thing as much as it is are we really able to make a difference based on how this thing's growing. So you know, we don't have sponsors. It's not about money or anything other than that. But, you know, to your point of people are always watching, or in our case, people are always listening. You never know, man. You never know who's going to hear what, where, and how it's going to affect them. And I mean, I'll give a great example. We had a podcast guest uh, that came on that had been going after 
a um, contract with a carrier for a couple of years, and the carrier had consistently told them, no, we're, we're not interested in working in contracting with your firm for whatever reason, da 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 Two weeks after he was on the podcast, he, called, he sent me a message or called me one or the other and said, brother, I got to tell you something, man. I am getting five or 10 calls a week from people who heard me that just want to talk to me more, or get advice or whatever else he said. But I had this carrier that had declined giving us a contract for two years. And after hearing me on your podcast, they immediately offered me the contract over the phone. Wow. Like, they actually took the time to listen to me on the podcast. I didn't say anything different than I've been telling them for two years. <laughs> but that platform allowed me the opportunity to just get on there and have conversation. And as a result, they were impressed with what they heard. Wow. Kyle, you had one where you had yeah. a vendor mm-hmm. reach out to you. Tell, tell that story. Yeah. Um, had a vendor reach out that we use for um, – pay as you go workers comp. And they said that, uh, an agent up in South Carolina had reached out to him to start doing business after they listened to our podcast is the, is the short story of it. Um, or the short version of it. But I mean, that was pretty cool. Um, I like, I don't have a ton of accounts that I've put with, with, with these guys, um, at all, but, um, you know, I, I, inadvertently, I guess, plugged them in on, on one of the, uh, scenarios that we were talking about when we were talking workers comp, somebody listened, hit them up and, and is starting to put some business with them. So, um, that's just the power of, you know, again, that's, it's not what we set out to do. That's not, you know, we didn't get on this with the goal in mind to start, um, you know, growing business that way or anything. It's just something we kind of wanted to do. And, and I think that, uh, when you do it that way, ultimately you're just going to see the natural growth, you know, without, without having to force it, if that makes sense. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, listen, I think at the root of everything we do, and I know we're coming up on an hour, so I want to want to wrap up here in a couple of minutes, but at the root of everything we do, if somebody were to come to me and say, David, in one word, tell me what it is that you do in life, in your job, in your community, whatever, give me one word. My answer is connector. That's it. I want to be a connector. I can connect clients with people that will help them grow their business. I need. I will connect them with resources that they may need to, whether it be legal or accounting or other things. It might be connecting one agent with another agent or agencies with each other. But at the end of the day, if I were to boil it down to one simplified word, number one would be daddy. Okay. <laughs> number number two would be that I, that I'm a connector, right? And that to me is the most fulfilling. As much as I like going out and killing big deals, as much as I like commission checks and growing the agency and seeing the asset grow, um, you know, I don't know that I will ever get more fulfillment in life in general than knowing I made a connection for somebody that impacted their life going forward. It could be business related. It could be they read an article or a video or listened to a podcast or they read my book or anything else. And if I connected them with an idea that they didn't have or a person or whatever else, that truly is the most gratifying thing that I get out of life is knowing that I helped that person. Money can be made and lost, but the sincere desire to help people and to connect people is not something 
that you just walk into every day. And, and we've been blessed with a platform mm-hmm. that we're able, multiple platforms really where we're able to do that. And that's why I get out of bed every day. That's awesome. Yeah. And that's, and that's a, that's a servant's heart, I mean, And that's, that's what, that's what life's about. Right. I mean, so you, you look at that's like, this comes back to the same, those guys that, and those, um, awesome professionals who spent all that time with me in the beginning. It was something, there was something about them wanting to give back. And I think all of us have that, uh, in us if, if we just listen. So, you know, kudos to you. I mean, I, I listened to you guys' podcast. I was, I was running, I was doing a 48 miles, uh, 48 mile run in 48 hours, believe it or not. And gross. I, yeah, it was, sounds, sounds absolutely bad. atrocious. It was bad. <laughs> and, uh, and I was looking for, you know, insurance podcasts and, you know, I stumbled upon you, you guys. And, and, and so I, you know, I, I had plenty of running time to listen, uh, to many episodes, <laughs> but you know, it's, it, it's, it's, you don't know what impact you're having, um, on people indirectly, indirectly. And, you know, there's a certain level of feel good that comes from that. So I I agree with you, David. That's a that's a cool insight. And I see that, you know, and yeah, my my whole thing is this. I don't need people telling me just knowing that that exists. Right. Knowing that you have that ability, maybe a text or a message every now and again telling you, hey, look, this is this is what I got out of this podcast or I really appreciate you giving me this tip. I went out and closed a deal doing it or whatever else. That's great. But that just validates that there's that many more that you don't hear about. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Well, listen, man, you have exceeded expectations. This has been a great conversation and and much appreciated, man. Um, I know that based on the spirit of what we just talked about, people are going to want to reach out to you. So tell them where to find you. And the best way to get a hold of you, man. Number one, thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. It's uh, it's it's you guys run a awesome podcast, and I have a tremendous amount of respect. So I really, really appreciate it. It's been very cool conversation. So yeah, you can hit me up. Uh, I'm I'm really uh, I'm very active on LinkedIn. Um, it's Brett Young. Uh, also, uh, Ur- UrbanYoung.com is is our website. It's E R B A N D Y O U N G. Herb and Young. Um, yeah, shoot me a message, shoot me a DM. I'd love to connect. Um, you know, th- it's a special affinity group of a bunch of insurance producers, insurance insurance agency owners. So the more the merrier. I learn from uh, I learn from you guys every day. So yeah, I look forward to speaking with everybody. Kyle, you had one question and I forgot. I didn't give it to you. Yeah, no, I just wanted you to give uh, anybody who's looking to get into the insurance industry a piece of advice. Patience. Patience. It takes way longer than you think it is, but it's absolutely worth it. Um, you will do what everybody else wishes they could do. And when it's all said and done, you'll be able to look back and be proud. And the majority of the people that I talk to every single day, not, not exaggerating, they look back and they're not proud um, because they, they, they went for short-term gain um, and they, um, they, they ignored the long-term prize and anybody who gets in this space and has a fundamental commitment to being in it, um, it, it will take longer than you think. However, it will be 10 times more fulfilling than you think it would be once you get there. I can't tell you after being in the industry going on 20 years now, how many times I look back, whether it be somebody who's engaged in a marketing effort or they've launched a vertical market or they've tried to develop a niche product or whatever they've done and they've quit right before the tipping point. And my advice is 100% along the lines of what yours is. You have to be patient, but you also have to persevere. 
Part of that patience is understanding there's going to be roadblocks. But if you are truly sold out and committed to whatever it is your end game is, you will find the way to persevere through all of those roadblocks, all of the objections, and have the patience necessary and ultimately reap the reward. 100% of my wins have come from patience and perseverance more than anything else. It's great. Yep. There's a common theme there, and it's it's real. Absolutely. Well, listen, Brett, thanks again so much for being on. We're going to go ahead and wrap up, and everybody else, we will catch you next time. See ya. You've been listening to the Power Producers Podcast. You can follow Killing Commercial Insurance on Facebook and YouTube. And if you want to take your game to the next level, next level, check out our book, The Extra Two Minutes, and our website, killingcommercial.com.